And here's a little ray of sunshine as well. Mark Tuohy is here, trusted advisor to business and political leaders. Happy Thursday. Good morning, John Moore. I think that's the first time in my life anybody's ever described me as a ray of sunshine. Well, you know how Byzantine our uh, email system is, and I was listening to you subbing for Jerry Agar earlier this week, and I wanted to send you an email telling you how much I was enjoying the show, but I couldn't find you. <laughs> anyway, uh, listen, let's get some more Mark Tuohy analysis. We'll start with something I was just talking about, more TTC service cuts. When do we get, or will we know, to that... Uh, a fractious point where people give up on the TTC altogether. I don't know. I don't think we're anywhere near back to the uh, peak loads that we used to have pre-pandemic. So them cutting service down to what they say is 91% on line one, uh, it's hard to tell when we're going to hit that. I know as a regular user of the TTC now, I, I'm very religiously devoted to the app that I have that tells me, follows the GPS trackers on buses to tell me, and streetcars to tell me when they're coming, when they're likely to be at the next stop. I never pay attention to when the subway is going to be because I just get into the system and I wait for the next train. When the wait for the long train gets to be too long, I think people will be upset, but mostly people are upset about not being able to get on trains because they used to be jam-packed, so you'd have to let two or three trains go by. That I don't think is a problem right now, so we'll see. I'm not sure that you know, a minute or two minutes or four minutes on the weekend is going to make much difference for the people who rely on transit because they don't have another choice. Still, 90% of the people on transit are what we call transit captives. They're only there because they don't have anywhere else or any other way to go. Um, when you were at City Hall, you were chief of staff to the mayor. Was the removal of dead animals ever an issue? Now, we, to my knowledge, we never fail to pick up a... No, I don't know. This one kind of bemuses me. It's just such a, a big city first world problem, isn't it? I mean, homeowners typically have shovels and garbage bags and just pick the darn thing up, put it in a bag, and throw it in the garbage, except that I understand that the city of Toronto says, no, you can't put that in the garbage. So I think it's the city's problem. They either have to provide the service or allow you to throw it away. And for those people who weren't listening in the first hour of the show, I should say the context of this story is there's a Toronto actor who has been documenting on social media the two-week wait, still counting, uh, for a dead raccoon outside of her home. She called 311 and nobody's come to collect it. But, Mark, this, this town has a thing for dead raccoons. Yeah, well, we have a thing for raccoons. It's a love-hate relationship in this city, and it has been a war of the ages for a long time. Um, you certainly, I mean... They're e <laughs> Throw them in one of the green bins. They seem to be able to get in there of their own accord. I imagine it's harder for them to get out if you lock them in. Uh, the Prime Minister's brother, Alexandre, was testifying before Parliament yesterday and trying to throw cold water on the idea that the Trudeau Foundation is being bought out by Chinese interests and then passing you know, that influence on to the Prime Minister. I, you know, I, I get that there's some grubby stuff here, and maybe it's a bad idea to create these foundations anyway. But at the same time, it doesn't seem to be the smoking steam pile that the opposition wants it to be. 
Yeah, I don't know about this, uh, to be honest, and I didn't follow his testimony. I've just been reading about it uh, after the fact. But what I can say is I don't think his appearance there moved the needle one way or the other. It certainly didn't clear anything up. It certainly didn't make it sound any less grubby than it sounded uh, the day before, uh, nor did it make it seem that much, you know, grubbier. So I'm kind of thinking why was he there in the first place uh maybe he wants to take a step into the limelight uh, and see if maybe he has a future in the public eye yeah i mean he has very little interest in public life he's kind of a strange figure i have to testify uh, but at the same time mark i think this is one of those sort of out of the box scandals that works really well if you want to try to criticize justin trudeau but the components of it don't seem to add up it's kind of like the whole hunter biden thing it's like okay you can say that the bidens are corrupt but you haven't proven it proven it yeah, I think you have to look at it from the other direction, though. Uh, whether or not there's a hard-line connection between the Pierre Trudeau Foundation and the current prime minister uh, is a little bit irrelevant if you put yourself in the shoes of an operative from uh, the People's Republic of China, the Communist Party. They probably would assume that there is. And so it's the kind of uh, organization that would attract their attention. And they might very well have tried to influence government government by, you know, currying favor with this foundation, um, that in itself and on its own is problematic and we should do something about it. There's some pretty spectacular footage of some explosions over the Kremlin and the allegation is that the Ukrainians used some drones to try and kill Vladimir Putin even if he wasn't home at the time. Um, but I guess this raises the wider question of, you know, the idea of assassinating foreign leaders. I think the world would be better off if Vladimir Putin was dead. I don't know about you. Yeah, I don't think many people would miss him, but, uh, you know, there is sort of a, there, there are some lines in the law of war, and one of them is that you don't sort of intentionally assassinate the foreign political leaders, although their generals are fair game. This story doesn't uh, smell uh, very good from the outset. If you assume that this was Ukraine uh, behind this, and it was an attack, it seems unlikely that it would have been an assassination. It would more likely have been just sort of proving that we can reach into the heart of Moscow and bring some of the, the suffering that uh, Ukrainians have been experienced home so they understand the what's happening in the war. I can't see it being a credible attempt to assassinate Vladimir Putin. On the other hand, it's just the Russian reaction to this seems very much uh, a little bit stage phony and uh, there are a lot of indications that this might have been a, a false flag in order to curry a little bit of sympathy at home for mm -hmm. Vladimir Putin who I think is losing a little bit of favor and uh, to justify whatever might be coming next from Vladimir Putin in the uh, war against Ukraine. We had a conversation with NBC correspondent Aaron Real earlier on the show about the use of artificial intelligence to generate generate images and video that could be used to influence elections. And it does seem, Mark, that in the future it's going to be impossible to distinguish truth from fiction. Yeah, it's getting very, very difficult, and I think all of us are going to have to learn to not really believe much of anything that we see, which will kind of undercut the value of seeing things in some respects. So it has some long uh, fingers and tentacles, the impact of artificial intelligence and deep fakes, but I would expect that lots of people are going to be using them uh, to try to change our opinions electorally, and uh, that's kind of scary.
Mark, thanks a lot. Good to have you this morning. Thanks, John. Mark Tuohy, trusted advisor to business and political leaders. And yeah, I, I had noted a long time ago this business on Twitter, for example, and in Instagram, where they'll have the image of a public figure and a quote. And then if you look up the quote, you'll often find out that it's complete fiction. But if you want to believe that Pierre Polyev said such and such a thing because you don't like Pierre Polyev, then it's very easy. But the future, as Aaron Real was reporting, actually the present, is that you would actually have what looks to be Pierre Polyev saying those words on video. And, you know, unless you're going to do your own research, you're going to believe that actually that happened, that that's real.